Well, I am up here this morning. I am up here this morning because um, Bryce was on the calendar, but he forgot. So. I remember the first time that I uh, set foot in a combine. I was actually living in Ottawa, Iowa at the time, and, and uh, I went out to the Lois Hills, a uh, guy by the name of Bo Fox. Set foot in his combine, to be honest with you, I cannot remember whether the combine was red or green. I don't remember. I remember that it was late in the fall, and we were out in a bean field, and, and I was just enamored with the idea of being in this large machine out in the field. I, I had always kind of grown up uh, looking at the fields and, and, and kind of wondering what that was like, just this fascination about what harvest time was really all about. And so Bo let me come in, and we got in his, his combine, and, and, um, and uh, Bo didn't have a banker's seat at the time. See, that, the banker's seat is that seat that sit, sits next to the driver, right? That's because the banker comes. He owns the combine. <laughs> and he didn't have one of those, so I got to sit on the toolbox, kind of pressed up against the, the side of the cabin, and it was fantastic. And after a while, Bo was explaining all the different things that the combine does, and, and I was watching as the grain would uh, come and, and the auger would, would fill the whatever the compartment's called, and, and, uh, and, and it would just over, you know, it would just overflow, and we would get to dump it, and I got to pull the lever and watch all the grain kind of begin to, to fall out. It was amazing. And then he let me drive. No, no, he really let me drive. And I got to drive this large piece of machinery through the field as it just ate up the beans and harvest time was happening. It was wonderful. And it just is a, as a, a reminder to me that the kind of celebration that happens with harvest, right? I mean, harvest is really a, a celebration. I mean, all the work has been put in. All the things have been done. All the, all the, the, the rain has happened. And now it's time to, to see what happens, right? To see the, the full, full pods of beans or corn. Harvest time is a celebration. We're in this series, just a couple weeks series that we're entitling Harvest, and we want to explore this idea of, of harvest and this kind of celebration that can happen as a church as we gather together. You see, harvest can happen, a celebration can happen uh, for all kinds of reasons if you uh, have ever gone to school for a long period of time, right? I mean, harvest is that graduation. You finally get to... to to put on the, the cap and the gown and, and all the work and all the effort and all the things and you get to walk across the stage and they give you, they give you a degree and they, they confer upon you some level of responsibility and they say, all right, there you go. And there's a celebration that takes place. I know this because every spring it takes place and I get like, five invitations or six or seven invitations in the mail to various parties. Harvest time has happened. 
Sometimes uh, harvest and this kind of celebration can take place at the, the end of a long career, can't it? Uh, someone who's worked really hard and they, they have come to the point and they've said, I'm going to retire. And when someone retires, we have a retirement party. We have a celebration. It's harvest time, right? All the work and the culmination of everything that has taken place. Sometimes it's a project, right? Sometimes uh, if there's a large building project, uh, oftentimes uh, at the, the end there'll, there'll be a celebration and, and someone will, will take a bottle of wine and, and just as a way of christening, as a celebration of what has taken place over this glorious project, they'll break it. And I have no idea what that means, but it's a celebration, right? Harvest time is a celebration, just recently, my good friend David Frost, uh, he's, he's now in the Masters Race Division, which means he's 40 years old or older. And he was really excited because he thought, maybe now I can qualify. My marathon qualifying time has gone up. And so maybe this year I can do it. And so several weeks ago, I had the privilege of, uh, of being with him as he, as he raced through the city of Des Moines. And there was a, there was a harvest at the end. He ran 3.14.58. And his qualifying time was 3.15. And there was celebration. Sometimes it's great to be able to celebrate. Harvest is that time. And what we're talking about over the next couple weeks is it's just this idea of celebrating this kind of harvest. Now, what's true of the world that we live in with all of the celebration is that we can celebrate a harvest of good news. There's a harvest of the gospel. In fact, in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus has done some healing, and Jesus talks about a harvest of the gospel of the people that, that can come into full bloom. What's interesting, what's interesting about what Jesus said is he said that the harvest is ready. In other words, there's red apples out there waiting to be picked. Uh, what's amazing to me is we don't, we don't even have to do all the work. Je Jesus has said, hey, there are folks, there are people waiting to be picked off the tree. All we need to do is give them good news. You know what the harvest field needs is workers, Jesus says. It needs workers. So let me ask you, are you willing to be a harvest worker to put in the kind of effort that's going to take place to, to see a full bloom, kind of a celebration when the harvest time comes. Uh, here's the problem, and, and there's really no way to get around it. The, the problem is that so many Christians, so many Christians find themselves in fields where the harvest has already happened. Imagine yourself going to one of the fields that, that is adjacent to our building this morning, out with your combine, uh, lowering the head and, and driving through the fields. It would look a little funny, wouldn't it? And yet it seems like too many Christians are going to fields that have already been picked. And I wonder if it's because 
to share the good news can sometimes be scary. I mean, let's just be honest with one another. Uh, we come to church, we hear about sharing our faith, uh, we hear about uh, sharing the good news, we, uh, we understand it, we understand even that someone at some point shared the good news with us. And yet to take that step across the aisle or across the tracks or across town or to pick up the phone to initiate relationship, this can be a scary thing. Perhaps it's intimidating. Tom Rainer, who has devoted his life to, to talking about and researching and, and helping Christians come to understand what it means to, to share their faith, to reach the unchurched. He gave several ideas in a book that he wrote several years ago in regards to why it is that Christians don't talk about the good news. That instead of going to fields that are ready to be picked, they go to empty fields. He says sometimes it's because um, there's a spiritual lethargy. In other words, there's a, there's a spiritual laziness that takes place. Sometimes we just get in a groove and we're comfortable and it's scary and, and we don't really want to go out. He says that sometimes we're just simply scared of rejection. We can't quite take that. And so we don't share. He said sometimes we're too busy. Our lives are so full of so many other things, maybe so many church activities even, uh, that we forget about uh, what this gathering is really all about. Maybe we've given in, he says, to the tolerant culture and have simply said, well, I want to be tolerant to, to everybody's feelings and thoughts. After all, this is, this is just what I think. Maybe it's because we're too out of practice, he says. Maybe it's that we just need to invite. Well, if harvest is supposed to be a celebration and we're not harvesting, then what does it take for us to do so? In 2 Corinthians, where our primary text is this morning, if you want to follow along in the Bibles that you have in front of you, it's page 805. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, Paul just opens up this, uh, this box. He opens up this box that, that, that confronts us with our responsibility to the harvest. Uh, to allow harvest again to be a celebration of people uh, who are coming to know who Jesus is. It's amazing how this text confronts us and motivates us. Uh, look at verses 18 through 20 for a moment. He's gone on and he's talked about this idea of reconcile, bringing two opposite things together. And in verse 18 he says, all this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And He's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making His appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Uh, do you recognize that? 
Uh, for those of us who entered this room uh, recognizing if we took a survey, uh, you would have checked uh, self-designation. I am a Christian. I recognize myself as a follower of Jesus. I am a disciple uh, for you. Uh, for those of you who entered the room this morning uh, with that kind of self-designation, uh, this text is telling you that God has given all of you a ministry. Exciting stuff, huh? He has given you a ministry. And this ministry is of reconcile. The same ministry that Christ gave to you, you are to give to other people. This is exciting stuff. In fact, he uses this word in verse 20 that not only has he given you this ministry, but that you are ambassadors, right? Uh, you're someone acting under the authority of someone else, God, and He is giving that kind of authority to you to go out and do your ministry. This is really exciting stuff. And your ministry is to go to the harvest field and bring people who don't yet know about the ministry of reconcile, of bringing these two things together and give it to them. So, there is something about us as a people, as a church. There's something that needs to move us toward harvest of the good news. We have to be moved. Now, I know that part of this is we have to begin to own our faith. I've known lots of people over the years in ministry who, for whatever reason, have owned the faith of their parents or maybe the faith of their grandparents or maybe the, even the faith of their children. And so they come in and, and they go through the motion of doing th things uh, that make it look or appear as if their faith has blossomed or grown, and yet it really hasn't. Uh, perhaps we need to take steps to say, I'm going to own my faith. I'm going to start today. I'm going to own this responsibility that is, is, is mine in Scripture because something has happened to me, and I, I want to recognize the harvest. I want to recognize the celebration in the life of someone else. When I was in fifth grade, I remember very distinctly, we had this day, and, and we were asked uh, to bring something that was symbolic of something that was important to us in our life. So there I was. I was in fifth grade, and, and uh, you know, I, I, I was like any other uh, normal fifth grade boy, Right? I was the smallest in my class. I wanted to be good at sports, and, and I wanted other people to like me. Has anybody else been there? Uh, sometimes it's that way at work, isn't it? I want other people to like me, and so I do things uh, to try and get other people to like me. But there was that day in fifth grade, and I thought, what is really important to me? And I to this day, I couldn't tell you just exactly what it was that, that drove me to this, but I had this old Bible, this old King James Bible that many years before my mom had given me, and she had written in, inside of it, you know? And it had gone from like my grandpa to my mom to me, and I was able to give it to someone else. But that day, I brought that King James Version, black, black leather-bound Bible to school. And it was my way of just simply trying to say to everyone around me, I want my faith to be my own. 
I'm going to own this. I'm going to be an ambassador. I, I don't even know entirely what that means yet, but I'm going to accept this responsibility that God has given me. Folks, some of you may just need today to, to decide, I'm going to own this. I'm going to own this faith. I'm going to own this responsibility. I will be an ambassador for Christ. Perhaps you just need to be a little more intentional. You see, uh, one of the great things about being in church is that we get to hang out with each other, isn't it? I mean, when we come to church, it's a gathering of Christians, and we come and we encourage each other, and we exhort each other, and we poke each other a little bit, and we prod each other, and we push each other, and we love each other, and we forgive each other, and there's all kinds of one another's in the Bible, right? And it's a wonderful gathering. But one of the things that we sometimes forget is that we gather here, right? Because we're called to go out there. That's what we're supposed to be doing. See, we're not called out of our culture. We're called to go into our culture. And gang, we have to be willing to do that. We want to see a harvest happen. Then this is something that has to take place. And so maybe we just need to be intentional and a little more comfortable with those who, who aren't comfortable in here. We have to be comfortable out there so that they can feel comfortable in here. Are you tracking? Who are your non-Christian friends? Who are your unchurched people that you enjoy hanging out with? I have a couple of friends. One I met uh, while I was at a triathlon. The other I met because he, he, he's a neighbor. Now, I can tell you that neither one of these guys lives overwhelmingly like, like they're followers of Jesus. But I try and hang out with them as often as I can. I call them, I text them, I go running with them. And when the opportunity presents itself, I simply try and say, God, what's my responsibility here to point them in your direction? Now, this is where the rubber meets the road. It's incredibly scary, and yet it seems like uh, this is the responsibility of all who desire to see a harvest take place. You see, if I had an opportunity to sit down with every one of you and I said, hey, how would you like Whiting Christian Church to begin to grow? And you'd say, yes, absolutely. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And if I follow that up with, uh, what are you willing to do? Are you willing to talk to those non-Christian friends at work or in your neighborhood or get to know some? We might begin to mumble or make excuses. You see, a harvest, this celebration, means we have to get busy. We have to be intentional. What's your motivation? Do you know the difference between want to and want to want to? You, you know the difference, right? Uh, the difference in motivation between want to and want to want to. Let me give you an example. I want to want to learn how to play guitar. Some of you, uh, this might be the case. I want to want to lose weight. I want to want to go exercise, right? 
I want to want to save money. I want to want. And and sometimes uh, we carry this right over into our responsibility as Christians, as these ambassadors. I want to want to, to share with other people about Jesus. You see, the bottom line is when we want to do something, we do it. When I want to train for a marathon, I go out every day and I train hard and I make sure it happens. If I want to get a degree, I make sure that I go to school and I attend class and I get my homework done. If I want to be an ambassador, I share with other people about who Jesus is. You see, there's a difference in motivation between want to and want to want to. So how do you change your want to want to a want? I want to want to share. How do we change that to I want to share? In the text in 2 Corinthians, the bottom line is this. Christ's work motivates our movement. Christ's work motivates our movement. Notice the things that Christ has done for us, in us, around us. Uh, You see, what motivates this kind of ambassadorship is not us looking at ourselves and saying, I'm just going to pull myself up by the bootstraps and think real hard about it. Uh, Notice what, what leads us, what motivates us, what leads us to want to do this. Verse 14 in chapter 5, For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. Love compels us. It it drives us in a card of love uh, to go in places that we never thought humanly possible. And we go there because uh, we recognize what it is to live for Christ. His love compels us. Jeremiah, as a prophet, said, I have to deliver this message because if I don't, like it's fire in my bones, right? Uh, This is the kind of thing that Paul is talking about. The love of Christ and what He has done for us compels us to share. To be these kind of ambassadors, to change our want to want to want I brought several ropes with me this morning. This is not a new rope. It's tattered and worn. I don't know if you can notice this, but when you drop it, dirt falls off. It's not the cleanest thing. Gang, this... This is us. If we try and tie ourselves off with this rope, we're in trouble. It's worn. It's dirty. It's frayed. And we cannot possibly, we cannot possibly uh, come to the other side of the chasm of where Christ is with this. And yet before Christ, this is exactly what we have. Can I tell you something about me that you don't know about me? When I was about nine or ten years old, 
I had this tree out in my front yard. I like to climb it. And there was this sassy little girl down the street. And I climbed up in the tree, and she was really sassy that day. And I was really ornery that day. And she was saying something to me, and I thought, I am going to show her. So I climbed close to the top of the tree. And there she was, right down there. And I thought, I could hit her from here. <laughs> and so I did what you never should do. I went... I hit her, by the way. <laughs> Why do I tell you that? Because for a long time, that's, that's the rope I was using. You see, I'm, I'm broken. I have rebelled against God knowing what is good and doing wrong anyway. I have allowed profane language to leave my lips. I have more than once become angry into a rage. And if left to myself, I would have only a broken, frayed, dirty rope to try and get me to where Jesus is. And it wasn't going to be good enough. And I could try really hard. And I could go to church. And I could take communion every Sunday. And I could remember every verse ever written. And it wouldn't be good enough. Christ's love compels me. It drives me. It pushes me. It leads me. Listen to verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he's new. He's new. The old has gone. The new has come. Now, I don't know what it is exactly that Christ does to regenerate our lives from something old to something new, but I know that it's real and something is happening. And the kind of love that allowed God to send His only Son to come and take my old, dirty, rotten robe and give me something new is Amazing. You see, he gave me a new rope. He said, this old rope's not going to do it. You're not going to get far. You're going you're gonna to stop. Uh, it's going to hold you back. But let me show you a new rope. Tie this one around your waist. And I'll take you as far as you need to go. Notice what else he says in verse 20. God, in verse 21, excuse me, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
put your sin in there. Put your sin in there personally. God made him who had no sin to be spitting in a girl's hair. God made him who had no sin to be profane language. God made him who had no sin to be, and you fill in the blank. He was given us new rope. You see, reconcile is about two pieces of, of rope, one, one clean and one dirty, that somehow, some way, God in his glory brings together, ties together, and says, I'm going to make right what you can't. He made him sin so that we might be the righteousness of God. So, the ledger for Christ became sin. I had a ledger of sin, and it became Christ's sin. And my ledger was made clean because His was. I don't have sin anymore because He gave me a new piece of rope. One of our things that, that is our mission, is our part of our identity here at Whiting Christian Church, is that we want to invite. We've said we want to invite, share, serve, right? Uh, we want inviting to be part of our mission. Now, inviting is, is not, we're not inviting people to a place. Understand, we're not inviting people to come to a place. We are inviting people to become part of another people. You see, the church is not a place, it's a people. And so when we're inviting, uh, we're inviting them to belong. We're inviting them to the gospel. We're inviting them to the message that says, maybe your life is broken, uh, maybe your life is dirty, but this rope that you're trying to hang on is not going to last. Let me give you a new piece. Everybody should have received a little piece of rope, something like this. Here's what I want you to do with this. I want you to use this as bulletin board material to motivate you to the kind of ambassador that Christ has called you to be. I have a good friend. He likes to do triathlons and he likes to put bulletin board material up. He's ranked sixth in the world in his particular age group. And so what he does is, is he puts the the guy that's in front of him, he puts his face on the bulletin board and says, that's the guy I'm going after. Maybe it's time for you to do the same. To say, I am here on the authority of Christ to give someone new pieces of rope. And I'm going to put their face on my bulletin board and I'm going to make sure that I understand my responsibility Use the rope as a reminder. You've been given life. Now give it to someone else. 
And here's the hard thing about this text. At the very end, as you go into chapter 6, as God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. You know why you need this? Because the grace that was offered to you that you received is not only about you. To receive God's grace without giving more in return is to receive God's grace in vain. It's empty. So take the rope and help others receive. Be an ambassador. Christ's work motivates your movement. Let's pray. Gracious God, we love you. We thank you for reconciling us, for taking us as sinful people, as broken, as dirty, and giving us a new peace. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.